2: Welcome to the Film Board, the Movie Conversation Podcast, where we're reviewing uh, the latest releases of movies that you've seen and want to talk about. Uh, My name is Ocean, and I'm the new host of the Film Board Podcast. And on this episode, we are talking about a movie starring Simu Liu, Aquafina, Tony Chiu Wai Leung, uh, Meng Erzhang, Fa La Chen, and Michelle Yeoh. Directed by Destin Daniel Cretton. We are, of course, talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Throughout my life, the Ten Rings gave our family power. If you want them to be yours one day,
1: you have to show me you are strong enough to carry them.
0: You are a product of all who
1: came before you. The legacy of your family.
0: You are your mother. And whether you like it or not,
2: you are also your father.
1: I told my men they wouldn't be able to kill you if they tried.
2: I'm chatting with uh, J.J., uh, one of the co-hosts from the Trailer Rewind podcast, and wanted to get his thoughts on this uh, movie and share them with all of you. Uh, Welcome, J.J. Hey,
3: Ocean. I loved it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. That's my thought. Okay. That's it. Well, hey, I, I loved it.
2: Okay. Hey, well, all right, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this <laughs> no. episode of the Film Board. Right. Just getting started. So, just yeah, yeah, just getting part. started. Okay. Good, good. Well, um, yes, I, I also um, enjoy, enjoyed the movie as well. But I think before we uh, really uh, start getting into that, I think I wanted to just start with, uh, you know, kind of uh, setting the bar of what you thought about the movie going in. So without really diving into it, um, what did you know about the story of Shang-Chi beforehand? And what were the expectations you had of this movie going
3: in? So I knew very little. I, you know, I'm a huge comic book fan. I have a, a, a ton and specifically Marvel comics that I'm a huge fan of. And I really don't have any connection to Shang-Chi. That that wasn't a title that I collected. It wasn't something that I knew about. So I knew very little about it. When they announced uh, that Shang-Chi was coming out, I was kind of confused because it didn't feel like it was connected to the parts of the Avengers aspect of the MCU and the different things that I felt like they were creating. But, uh, you know, saying all that, uh, I was excited to see something new that actually was rooted in history about Marvel Comics that I didn't know. So I was excited for those reasons, but I was a little bit cautious, too. And it was something that thinking that it was something that I just didn't know anything about. Um, my expectations were uh, generally I would say high because I'm such a fan of the MCU. But also kind of because of COVID, they were a little bit low because I, I just really— I am thirsty for Marvel movies. And I will say I did go and see Black Widow when it came out. And while I was so excited to get back into Marvel, I was disappointed that it didn't advance the macro story at all, that it seemed like it was something that was set in the past and in a past part of Marvel. So I was excited that Shang-Chi was maybe going to show us something new and start taking us in that new direction for the new phases. So those were all my expectations, expectations going in. It was sort of like um, generally low expectations about what I was going to get from the movie, but generally high my expectations about re- being reintroduced to, to the new phases of Marvel.
2: The the Black Widow movie did feel like it should have been made five years earlier. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So for for me, I uh, I'm in a similar vein. I was. Uh, moderately familiar with the the character of Shang-Chi. Um, you know, I, I have, I, again, I also am a, I, I also am a big comic book fan, but I, I, you know, live and died with the X-Men all through college and loved all, loved all that stuff. And so I, um, the, uh, the, uh, the old comic book that they came from was The Masters of Kung Fu, which I, over the years, had some of those. I, you know, gathered those. You know, and as you know, if you collect comic books the way I do, you'll find that every now and again you'll go through your collection and you'll find these comics that you don't even even remember getting you don't remember when you, you don't remember getting them you don't remember how they got there or anything right. and then you open them up and you're like oh what's this you don't remember the story anymore and you kind of read them and check it out so yeah i read some of the masters of kung fu and when i first heard this i it took me actually a couple minutes it took me a little bit to put together oh that's the character from masters of kung fu and so I was curious about it because when I just, you know, when they first announced it, I was like, well, how are they going to do that as a story? Because that is much, uh, you know, that is not as big as the Marvel Cinematic Universe usually is. It's a much more grounded story. He's really just a martial arts master that goes around and, you know, gets into gets into smaller adventures. He really felt more like a uh, Daredevil, Luke Cage, you know, like the Defenders, sure. Iron sure. Fist, like that level of character. And so I was curious how they didn't give it the big Marvel, uh, Marvel movie treatment. Um, and so as I saw some more of the trailers and saw the they were going to, going to include the Mandarin, although they don't want to call him the Mandarin at any point, And how and, and the changing of the rings, because uh, in the comics those ten rings are actually rings on your fingers and not right. not basically bracelets, right? Yep. And so the changing of that. And so when I saw all that and kind of saw what they were putting together, saw a couple of trailers, then my excitement level really went a lot higher. And then I started having great expectations of the film because it's you know it's a it's the MCU uh, movie and really even the bad MCU movies are still pretty good, yes. right? You know, like the, like the only one that I think you can make an argument this bad is like Thor The Dark World. If you don't like that one, I get it. Right? I like that, that one. That, that one had I, a lot of problems. I think Endgame did a lot to make that one better, but yeah. that that one had some issues, right? But the I like of the day, it. The, I, I'm the, fine with Thor. And, you know, my yeah. kids
3: and I were talking about after this that, you know, it, the MCU movies are like pizza. Even when it's, yeah. you know, a, a bad well, yeah. thing, it's still going to be pizza. So you're still going to eat it.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. So my expectations of it were, uh, as I learned more about the film and you know what they were doing with the character, I, uh, my expectations grew really high. And so I, uh, I was very much looking forward to this movie, even so much that I did, I went out to theaters to go see it. And so yeah, I really and I uh, and really did end up in, enjoying the experience for it.
3: I'm glad. I'm glad. It yeah, was yeah. it was a big thing for me too. We uh, we went and saw it at the at the drive-in actually, oh, um, because nice, they were nice, allowing nice. it yeah. at the drive-in, yeah. and it uh it was a great experience to be there and to have you know in-car audio and all that fun things to sort of make it exciting and and it was on the big screen at night under the stars and it was it was everything that we wanted it to be for sure great great i've been thinking i've been thinking i've been
1: thinking i've been thinking i've been thinking i've been thinking about you
2: We are on Letterboxd. uh, True Story FM's family of film podcasts are all part of the Next Reel's HQ page. Letterboxd is a great way to track movies you see, write your own reviews, and be part of a larger community of film lovers like yourself. Sign up for your own account today. And if you upgrade to a pro or patron account, use the account code, the next reel with no spaces at checkout to save 20%. And if you're already an existing member of Letterboxd, this 20% discount works for renewals as well. The True Story FM family of entertainment podcasts are running a questionnaire to find out a little bit more about you, our dear listeners. What's working for you? What's not? And more. Um, please head to the True Story FM, the next reel, and you'll see a big questionnaire button on the yellow with the yellow bar on the right at the top. Just click on that and fill it out. We really appreciate uh, the help. And and as an extra bonus for that one lucky listener who fills out this questionnaire, will get a free year of membership. The Film Board has undergone a lot of changes in the past year, but we are working hard to continue bringing you thoughtful and fun conversations about big movies that have just opened in theaters. It does take some time and cost money though, and to that end we could use your support. Please consider becoming a member of the show and the Next Real podcast to help us out. Members get access to member bonus episodes each month that only you will have access to. Uh, Members also get early access to every episode. Uh, You can join us before each recording of the Film board episodes at our pre show chat to discuss this movie and anything else on your mind in the world of entertainment. Uh, members can also watch the live streams as we record our shows, so you could be watching us right now and see how the sausage is being made. You can even access those live streams from previous shows at any time in the future that you want. Uh, members get additional channels of conversation in our growing Discord community, and they also get stickers. So let's face it. It just pays to be a member. Head to True Story FM uh, TNR membership to learn more about our membership tiers. Uh, The most it costs is an expensive cup of coffee, $5 a month or $55 a year for a one-time payment. So let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, this, the uh, Shang Chi and Legend of Ten Rings. Um, at a high level, um, one of the things about this that was um, that is interesting, and kind of to give an overview of the story, is that it is in fact an origin story, right? And so it's it's interesting in something as mature as the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that they are you know that you when you introduce new characters, it is there is a piece of it where you're still going back to saying, okay, well we need to introduce these new characters and provide a new origin story again right and so in this case the origin story is following at at least at the at the beginning credits it starts with uh shu shu wenwu and his discovery of the rings although they actually already has the rings and then his use of the rings to gain power and then over that course of time then he gains power over the centuries and then eventually meets the woman that will become the love of his life and the mother of his children. And then from there, we kind of start going into the story of Shang-Chi, right? Who starts out as Sean, uh, which is a, you know, a, a great name to hide from your family. Um, <laughs> uh, this starts out as Sean, who is, who is basically living in, in America with his friend Katie. They are both, uh, well-educated, have a lot of promise and things they could do in their life, but, uh, post-blip, they've decided, you know what, they'd rather just, you know, drive, uh, do valet cars to get to get money throughout the day, hang out with each other, unwanting karaoke at night and enjoy life. And then eventually uh, Sean's family uh, comes comes back to then get him and bring him back. And his father wants to bring him back into the fold of the family to bring put his rightful place by his side to help rule at least we assume, to rule the part of the Ten Rings and, and come back to his destiny. And then uh, from there, you know, Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi's journey then begins. He then comes to embrace himself and try to figure out where his place is in, in this world. And so, and that's at a high level what's going on in this movie. But I think that, uh, you know, maybe the one way to just kind of break down the different pieces of this is to just talk about, uh, you know, Shang-Chi, the person, right? Like uh, the, the character, like really what was, what was his overall, you know, arc and kind of what happened in his life and the decisions that he made along the, the movie, right? Because what are the, the, the movie's really trying to get us to Latch on and care and cheer for this character, but then it's like, well, okay, well, who is this person, right? So, so we learn early on that you know, as a young as a young boy, he has a bond with his mother, and his mother is gone, right? You know, they don't really lay out how she's gone, but she's gone, right? And then we when we really catch up to him as an adult, you know, he's an adult, he's doing the the valet driving, hanging out with uh, with Katie, with his friend Katie, and have you know, kind of having a a life of a. For you know kind of a slacker life right, right. and, then enjoying, that's, and that's, life. Enjoy, yeah. enjoying the slacker life right that 's really what he 's doing right, and then that 's what he 's chosen to do and so then at this point uh, in in the movie and in the character development it seems to be that we 've been introduced to a character with a lot of promise, but he 's really made a choice to not. Fulfill or live up to any of his promises. And so, you know, at this point in the movie, did you find that you were, you know, I mean, it's early on, so we're still getting to know uh, at that point, Sean, right? And, uh, or, you know, did you feel that, hey, he needs to, that it was a, you know, that you liked what they were presenting early, um, or that you felt that he really needed to start trying to move more towards the promise that they really show you very early on that he has?
3: Well, it's interesting because, really, you know, we think of, with the timeline of everything that's explained to us, and this, you know, you kind of learn this over the course of the film, that he's, about 24 years old, right? So right. and in this time, it, so much has happened in his life. And, and it is an origin story. And I think it's, it, it's a lot of people have gotten to the point where they're a little exhausted with origin stories, especially coming yes. from 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 Marvel. But this is told in a way that doesn't. It for me didn't feel boring at all because it's slowly revealed to us over the course of this sort of these sort of flashbacks where we see so much happen to this this kid at a very young age and he was forced to do so much and to have a mindset of you know his responsibility for things his power how he can wield his power to to do things moving forward to become an assassin which his father kind of trains him to be and then the concept of rejecting that power and and finding a new way for him to go all of this happened within the first 14 years of his life and then you have that slacker piece that he goes on to for the next you know the next 10 years he finds his own way he finds a different way of living and then this the actual sort of real time of when the movie's happening is him being uh, sort of put in the place to choose between those two two lives and figure out the way to integrate that, integrate who he is as a character into his life that he's chosen for himself. And I think as an origin story, it makes sense. It, it, it didn't bore me at all. I was really excited to watch him on this path. And I feel like the way it's revealed, if you want to talk about his arc, is that he had always embraced his power. You see that even when he was living that slacker lifestyle, he was still getting out of bed and doing pushups every morning. So I think yeah. he's still understood the importance of keeping his mind body soul uh his purpose very pure and uh and i think that it 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 all works for me and it's very consistent with the character to go on this arc and then to embrace the sort of supreme power that he gains as he uh, is reintroduced to the all the training and all the uh the magic really that was a part of his life before uh leaving it behind
2: For for me, part of that which you you got to at the end there, the 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 pivot of where he's kind of being reintroduced. So he's living the slacker lifestyle, and then they, you know, then his when his father's henchmen come to get really the emulet. Right. They're really wanting right. the emulate around his neck. They're not. They, they tangentially want him. But, you know, he and he gets a, a little quick clue that he and his sister both deserve whatever they get. Right. So then he now feels
3: that his sister's in danger. Did they? OK, so that's Razor Fist that says yes. that. Did he say they do deserve it or that they don't deserve it? I, I thought he said they do deserve it. It happens so quickly. And I, I mean, this is jumping a little bit ahead of the story. But, you know, when Razor Fist, my kids, Razor Fist was their favorite character in the entire movie. Oh. Okay. They yeah, thought yeah, he was yeah. so great. And they, they liked him so much that they even when he was all bad, they were saying, oh, I really hope he turns around and turns good. So then when he does make the turn and it's kind of him who leads the turn um, for to get everybody fighting on the same side, I wonder, did I miss that line? Did he say they do deserve it or did they not deserve it? Because – he kind of ends up fighting with them at the end.
2: Yeah, yes, he does. But I, I think that that's, you know, the, the fighting with them part is, you know, that's, there's a lot of self interest there, right? Because at first, sure. at first he wasn't, and then he realized, oh, wait, well, if we don't fight together, we're all going to die. So, you know, I'm going to, self preservation trumps any other. So, for where,
3: so when he says that, do you feel like, does he hate the kids? Does he, no, hate is the wrong word. Does he, He's just he's just kind of an executioner, right? So why would the, why would he say that the kids do deserve it? I you know, I don't know. The line was tough for me. I wasn't sure I wasn't sure exactly what yeah, he was. I, I
2: think that he's you know, he's kind of bought into and sold himself not sold himself is the wrong term, but he's bought into and he's really a part of the Ten Rings organization. And he feels that these two children who had this as their oh, birthright to be a part of this yeah. and be a part of the greatest organization and in the world and could leave it and behind. they left it yeah. behind. You deserve what you're getting. You you turned your back. On all of the greatness and wonder of what this is, and so I think I think that's they're I traitors. Think exactly that they're traitors, and they're that's disloyal. how it, yes, yeah, yes, I think Love yeah, and I think that's really what he's going for, as far as that they, they they do deserve it, right? But but also I think that you know even part of that that sequence is it's some interesting choices that I think that are that even Shang-Chi makes, right? They took the amulet, and he thinks his sister is in danger, and at no point in time do they really stop and think, hey. Yeah, they sort of beat him up a bit, but they weren't really trying to kill him, right? You know, they were just trying to take the pendant off his neck. And honestly, had he handed the pendant over, there's an argument to me, that they would have just walked away, right? That they weren't, they weren't, again, their mission wasn't to kill or harm Shang-Chi. And then when he finds that they're going to go to his sister, and even when you see that, when that sequence starts to take place, when you introduce to her, which we can gloss over that for a second, but even their interaction with her, they're not trying to kill her, right? You know, they're just trying to take the pendants from them and so so i think that's yeah. also an interesting choice of where he views it shang views it as if they're in danger and now he has to go save his sister who he has right, he becomes a hero right he has to save moment. his sister yeah. become the hero and and i think also i think that there's part of it for him is he's maybe trying to finally reconcile with look i need to own up to what i did because he left her behind Right and and so he he left her behind and he thinks that she is finally reaching out because she wants to then reconcile and right and he's open to it and everything but he with with his guilt he's open to it and he has a lot of guilt and he wants to then go you know build that relationship back up and then discovers that his sister is a far different person than he expected right you know that she's you know running an underground uh, running underground fighting ring right and 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 doesn't need saving doesn't need saving didn't try to reconcile with her right and reconcile with them and so now. I think the interesting part of it to me now is you kind of have the, 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 the juxtaposition of what the characters are trying to do with their overall choices and how the fast pace of the movie's going right because there it doesn't really give you enough time for him to stop and think, okay what you know why am I here was i was i was it a setup that I was brought here Are they trying to then kill us both? Are they really looking for something else and, and am I really able to reconcile with my sister who doesn't really
3: seem to want to reconcile with me, but now I think I'm ready to do so the The one thing that that makes me question that is that someone sent him the postcard, yes right. Like I, I I agree with I I agree with all of that and I hadn't thought of that but I I I, I love the pa- the pacing of the film I thought the the fast pace then again with t- giving us the exposition through through flashbacks actually worked in this Absolutely. movie at no point did the flashbacks become annoying to me and you know uh, it, the, the reason why I bring up the postcard is because they wanted them together yes. For some reason and i think so it's kind of like a mixed bag of yes they wanted dependence but they also the dad also kind of wanted to get them back yes right like they he wanted them to be there for his grand sort of plot to try to resurrect his wife or free his wife however you want to look at it but um yeah yeah i agree i don't think they wanted to kill them but i think uh, yeah, I think that that it led to a lot of great fight scenes. <laughs> Either way, oh, it did, it did.
2: Well, it did. I, and I think I think it led to a lot of great fight scenes because I think the dad even challenges challenges his henchmen to say, hey, try to kill my son. I, I dare you. Right. You're not gonna be able to. You, you won't, won't be, be able to. to right. Yeah. You won't be able to even if you want to. Right. And so I think that yes, and and while the and I didn't mean to even imply that the the pacing uh, was in any way negative. I thought the pacing of it was really great. It was really great that it was fast paced that you weren't able to sit there and think through. Hey, maybe they should make you know, this other decision or that decision. You're kind of just going with it, the flow of things. You know, as you're discovering these characters. But yes, I do think that it is the the postcard was coming from the father because he wanted his children together. Because when you think about it, what he's doing there is if he's going to if he's going to resurrect their mother, he's going to he's trying to reunite his entire family. So it does make sense to bring them together and then to to, to then bring them in, right? But right. The 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 other aspect of it with uh, with with continuing along with Shang Chi's journey, right? So they they get to the point they're then captured uh, by, the, by his father, and then they they hear the story, the plot line, right? And and it was interesting to me how that they seem to be kind of willing to go along with all of it uh, until uh, you know that they they're, they're both both the siblings are like, oh, we're gonna go save our mom. Okay, that's great. But then if the you know then when they hear about uh, Talo and you know what's going to you know that they have to go there, they have to find it, they use the M-List to figure that out, and then, then the father says, "Well, if they won't give us their mother, that we're going to then just you know basically burn the place down, and that's where the line gets drawn. Right. And so, and then I, that was, that was an interesting choice of where he, he seemed to be fine with like a rescue mission, but then any type of Shang-Chi seemed to be fine with the rescue mission, but then at this point, that's where the father's plan goes too far. I guess I found that juxtaposition a little bit interesting in that, yeah, he grew up his whole life and was being trained to be, you know, ultimate killer. And that, yes, he did kill the one person, but then maybe the mental training didn't kick in because it, it makes logical sense that he should have the same attachment his father has. Like, why doesn't he want to destroy the whole village to save his mom? Right? Because he shouldn't care about these things, and so it seems to be that that piece of his training did not take as a child.
3: And that follows with the with the arc, right? Because he did. Well, he first tells us that he did not kill the assassin. He he he, he and then he confesses, he confesses that he, he had, did. Yes, yeah. but you, you would lead then to believe that his his remorse or his his shame is what led him to leave so that shame of being a killer of being that person that he didn't want to be even though he was trained to be that Mm -hmm. is what put him in this different mode so of course taking a look at potentially killing a bunch of innocent people is very consistent with where his character has been going in this arc and says no we can't do this even if even if our intentions are good even to get our, our mom back. I killed someone that was her killer because I wanted some sort of good feeling, but it didn't do that for me. It gave me this shame, and and burning this village down, or building, or killing these people is not going to do it either. I, I felt that was very consistent with his character for sure.
2: Really, and at that point, that's when we start to go into the, you know, from his, from, for his character's journey, right? At that point, he's, he's, he's done the, okay, I've now discovered who I am. I've now confessed who I am to my friends. Uh, we've, you know, encountered the, the, what we at this point do deem to be the big bad guy, which is his father. Uh, you know, they get captured and then they escape, right? They escape. And then when they finally do get to Talo, um, at, at that point, it was—it seemed to be that that was really the arc of self-discovery for them all right? um, For yep. for all the main characters, but, you know, even Shang-Chi specifically, not only, and his self-discovery to me felt different than other characters, and then it's kind of the way I felt different was that his self-discovery was really more about discovering his abilities and, and you know, discovering new abilities and new, new things that he could do, and then trying to finally reconcile his place in the world, right? Because I, I think that up to this point, he's really kind of been reacting in two modes. One, he's running from what any any destiny he feels that he has or anywhere his places are in the world. And then two, after that, he just really is kind of doing things reactionary to protect people that he cares about, right? But I think that when he gets to Talos, that's when he starts to then start to pivot a bit and turn into, okay, well, A, let me understand a bit more about my abilities. But then B, try to make a decision about, in this world, now that I'm understanding my place, who is it that I'm going to be, and and what is it I'm what is it who am I going to be? What is my role going to be in the in this universe, and what are my choices in that? Right, and and I don't know I don't know, and and I felt kind of conflicted about it. One, I felt hey, hey this is great that he's being able to figure out kind of figure these things out, but then two, it became well, I started thinking, does he? And I want to know your thoughts. On this. Did did he have a choice? Right. Like, like, could he have chosen another path? Right. You know, because he he really seemed to be that he, you know, he he is basically destined to be, in effect, the hero, whether he wants to be or not.
3: The story sets us up that if he chooses not to be a hero, if he were to take that choice, that. It really, by the end of the movie, they say that if he were to take that choice, the world would end. Yeah. Right? Because the one who dwells in darkness would gain enough power to destroy the world. Yeah. So, so ultimately, what that says to me is no, he doesn't not have that choice. That it is his birthright, but it's also his, his inevitable. Placement in the universe for him to take this role. And I think he realizes that, um, it, that he can channel all the power that he had through his training and turn it to something more positive. And that is symbolized by the changing of the color of the rings as well, which leads us to a whole different aspect of what's Going to happen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe going into the next phase. So, so it, like, of course, there's a little bit of deus ex machina here in that the story is telling us that we need this guy right. for the next stories. But ultimately, this story is that if he chooses to not accept the mantle, the one who dwells in darkness. Did he have another name? The the mega soul eater? I, I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah they uh, it, called him the, a soul
2: leader, but yeah, the, I think the one he the, that big, was the main that was his creepy name. Yeah,
3: dragon face, weird thing. Right. Um, yeah. would have destroyed the 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 planet. And I think, um, so I think it's a it's a good point for you to bring up. Did he have a choice? No, he needs it for the story, but also the world needs that hero as well. So he was always meant to be that person. I think.
2: Right. But then does that lead, and, and this may be more even in terms of the future and why I was thinking about it this way, was so if he feels that he has no choice, he seems to be then he's following along that path. But is he committed to that path or is he someone that mm. can be, his motivations can change because they're not really, th- This seems to be that he hasn't had the agency of, Choice yet, right? That he's give, he's been given these tasks and he's doing the right thing, right? And he's doing the right thing, like he doesn't want the world to die. That's great. He doesn't want everyone to, you, you know, he, he, like like his choices seem to be driven by there are people that I care about that if I make another choice will die, and I'd like that to not happen, right? But that, but a family, right? But that that doesn't lead into the greater good that is being, you know, you know, as far as the further to the future of the MCU, right? Like, will he have these same feelings about? you know, either humanity as a whole or people that, you know, outside of his immediate family, like if his his immediate family is safe, but
3: everybody else is in danger, does he care? Well, so now I think that's really interesting that you bring that up because I hadn't thought about it. And um, I don't think they tell us. I don't think we know from this movie. And from what I've read about the comics, he's one of the more not by readers but by heroes. He's one of the more disliked characters in the Marvel in the Marvel comic universe and part of that is because when he embraced his power, he also embraced the organization which we see that as they move on that the sister takes control of the 10 rings, but Shang-Chi in in the comic books being as secretive and as powerful as he is, he doesn't really let the Avengers or anyone else know that he's taking over the ten rings for the side of good right he just says he's taking it over so he becomes this ultra powerful crime boss that <laughs> his dad was so people don't know that so it's really interesting that you bring that up because there's a lot of assumption going in especially when we get to the place of you know wong showing up and 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 sort of recruiting mm-hmm. katie and shang chi to 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 some greater cause that he is Altruistic in his response. But I think you're right. I don't think we know. I think he's always been motivated by the people that he loves and cares about. So it's going to be interesting when he's faced with different decisions and he has this great power that's both who he is as a person and these ancient relics of power that he now has at his control as well
2: pivoting to uh uh shu uh shu who is uh, the the father uh you know uh, ostensibly he's the mandarin you know from from comic books but you know that uh, pivoting to his character and this is part of why i was thinking about this and curious but uh your thoughts on it because when i look at that his character right his The you know thematically for him, you know, we talked about his his search for power early on. He has an organization that goes out and sprawls out across the world, and he's you know super powerful. That's great, but really, then he finds his real purpose in family, right? In in the in the in the caring and protection of his family, right? Now there is the the symbolized you know the 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 symbol that we we talked about earlier, and we want to dive deeper into that about when she he and Lee get together. She's going to leave Ta-Lo He's going to put the rings to his side and he will then grow old and they will raise a family and be be together. But when she is killed, then he puts the rings back on. But he's now now he's really more focused in the training of his son to then ultimately become to, and take the rings and do the power and take the power that he has. And so but part of his arc, I feel that his motivations from the beginning are Inward, inward facing, right? The initial arc is all power and it's his power, right? That's all he cares about. Then he meets someone else that he finally feels is worthy to share his orbit with. And then all he cares about is her and then their children, all also very much inward facing into his family, right? And, that, and even his motivations from then on, like understanding that his son I think he knows did go through with it, but then needed to have this 10-year journey to lose weight. His son did kill his mother's. did. I think he knows his son did. uh, Shang-Chi did, in fact, kill his mother's killer and therefore, you know, completed the mission he had, but understood enough about it. And honestly, this is kind of a father's love, right? All right, my kid did this thing, but... That really messed with him. So he's going to need some time. He was 14. <laughs> he was
3: 14 <laughs> years he old. He was
2: 14. Yeah, exactly. He's going to need some time to process that. Right. So yeah. I'm going to ten give years. him that. Yeah. 10, ten years. years. Yeah. I'm going to give him that time to process all this before we bring him back around. Right. You know, and so, and that he, you know, he does that, lets him live his life and then decides to bring them back. But then even when he finally brings them back was I needed this time that a, I was lost, but B, I've now found a way to bring their mother back and so that I'm going to do this to reunite my family and bring everyone together. And that is what I'm using my power and resources for. And so, again, it seems to be that the, the motivations in that case are mirrored. Right? Chang, Chang-Chi's motivations throughout the movie really deal with How did this affect the immediate family and people that he cares about? And his father is really the same thing, right? Even though his father is more being the, uh, you know, an antagonist where he is creating the events that are occurring to the family members. But at the same time, that seems to be really where he's going. And so then it makes me then start to question, well, how, you know, A, how different are they? And B, it made the father a much more interesting character to me because I feel that he wasn't just some evil guy trying to you know get more power and rule the world he really was just more focused on his family
3: yeah and he was manipulated he was manipulated into believing that he could have the family that that pivotal point in his life that he wanted at that pivotal point in his life and 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 that's why he became an antagonist because he thought that he should do anything that he could to gain that aspect of family that he wanted and he had the power to do so you know, because of the rings. So that, uh, that was interesting. His, his, his arc is interesting and he is a very complex character, which I think is wonderful in people don't expect that necessarily from a Marvel movie, but, um, but I think there are definitely some wonderful complex characters in this story.
2: Yeah. So uh, what, so then, so we touched on it earlier. Why do you think he put the rings back on?
3: <sighs> that is a really good question. Why does he put the rings back on? I think he, it's, it's a nature of, of humanness, fear and vulnerability. I think it's – I think he didn't think that he could live without his wife. I think when he was left alone, he thought he had nothing. His children were small, right? His wife was killed. He wasn't there. And his children were small. And I think he felt the only way that he could protect them, the only way that he could live life is with the power that he had gained before he met his wife um, because he had nothing. He was left with nothing. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, I don't think everyone might have that, that opinion. I think it's set up in the movie for you to believe that it's a much more nefarious uh, belief than that. But if I want to follow that character arc and, and believe what they're trying to tell us about Wenwu, I think, um, I think it's that. I think he felt that he needed the power to get back what he had lost.
2: Yes, and, and so, but with that then, does that help or hurt the story? Because that makes him more sympathetic of a character. He's not complete evil.
3: Right. And so yeah, does that but do- he is a child abuser. I mean, we should, <laughs> you know, you know, you're right. He's not completely evil, but he does let his he does think beating up his son makes him a tougher guy. So he's like what the Adrian Adrian Peterson of the world in that, like, <laughs> I'm going to get myself a, a, a stitch to make sure that my children grow up and, and, and get strong. No, I um, work. You're it? right. It will
2: work, right? See, and that's and that's right. So
3: he's a he's an ends justify the means kind of person. Okay, so right. you're right. Yeah, his his heart was in the right place, but for me, his methods were not okay. So it's hard for me to. Uh, excuse him from that i think his turn at the end when he finally realizes that his mindset his belief his 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 mixture his complex mixture of lust for power and love for his wife had led him down a path that actually endangered reality including his family i think that turn made him more sympathetic for me than and at any other point in the movie because i think he was either what, what did we say when we were watching the movie? He was either just evil or he was deluded. And I think he was deluded through most of the film. And I think that does make him sympathetic if you can stay objective through the things, through the child <laughs> abuse, which is hard for, I think, a lot of people. So trigger warning, <laughs> trigger warning, child abuse, children in peril.
2: Part of this this movie does uh, lean into and embrace uh, definitely with Asian culture and Asian stories. And it is very common Asian a trope in stories that the great warrior has a childhood where he has a lot of you know he's hitting the, the you know the, the scene of him of shang punching the wall or you know, that that big mm-hmm. wooden post that he punched with the yep. holes and his bloody it's knuckles and all, yeah. and all that and everything so it's a very common trope that you would go through that or you know you have that hard training of that Tough task, uh, the tough teacher who, you know, occasionally, what was what it, where they go, he cuts him a bit on the cheek, and, you know, and then they, you know, there's a lot of brutal fighting. And that, that's a, that is a common theme throughout, like, you know, the Asian story, Asian stories about this is how you then bring up and train a world class warrior.
3: And I don't think it's just Asian. I mean, we look at films, uh, recent films that that I've really loved, like Whiplash, with a movie, you know, about jazz drumming and talking about, you know, that whole concept of having that intense teacher that's going to challenge you in ways that are that border on abuse. It is that debate of whether that is the way to find greatness in the world. And I think I think there are sympathetic parties on both sides of that debate. Um yeah, it's it's interesting about Wenwu. Um, I, I I like the character because I think you could argue um, both his love and his and his evilness at the same time. Yes,
2: yes, you could. And then one of the things too I appreciated about him in this as as a character, which helped me out with the movie, is um, you know he is set up as the villain. It's an arguable point: is he the villain or villain, or is it the oh goodness, the the one that's going to eat? Everybody, the you know, one who dwells in darkness. Thank you, the one who dwells in yeah, <laughs> the one who dwells in darkness. Who's like you know the the dragon with the you know the Starship Trooper monster face, bug face, right? You know, so,
3: so was yeah. it that or was it the Stranger Things face? It was yeah. one of those yeah. faces, yeah. Yeah. yeah, or maybe it. Yeah. It was yeah. it, yeah. It was, it was a
2: whole bunch of just like
3: they were just throwing stuff on the wall with him, just like we're just gonna make something big, was, flying monster with tentacles <laughs> and a flower face. Exactly. Yeah, the bunch of teeth. You know, <laughs> just
2: throw in every weird, creepy thing and just put that on his face to call it good, right? So. Even though he set up as the villain, you know one of the things that I appreciate with uh, movies, and this is where I think this movie also also succeeds. Is I like the villains being smart, right? And he does figure out ways. You know, he knows what he needs to do with the pendants. He figures out what that is. He knows when the time time is to then strike, and he's able to figure out ways to get through to get to his ultimate goal. His ultimate goal is to free his wife, which he thinks right up until the end that's what he's doing, right? And then once he realizes that that's not what he's doing, and then that's bad. He does to me, you know, part of his turn is is, you know, recognizing, okay, I've done a bad thing and you know, a lot of people can die, right? But his last defiant act, in effect, is to save his son, right? Because, you know, the one who, you know, the one who dwells in darkness is going to eat his son. He saves his son and then he allows himself to, to be, you know, sacrificing this. Because one of the things you, I think, don't recognize at the time but then see at the end, the fact that the father died was partly his choice. Right. Which makes you then wonder, does, is it that once he realized his wife was truly dead and he felt that his son was actually ready to take his rings, that he felt that he had done everything he needed to do
3: in life. Which is foreshadowed, right? When, when, when we talk about the rings and he says, you have to prove to me that you're tough enough to wield these. Exactly. And, he did. and he did. That's the moment that he did. Right. Yep.
2: Exactly. And he did. And so, so then, so then, you know, in, in, an, in an interesting way to me, part of it is that he's, I mean, he has the arc and he is some of the villain, but then it seems to be that everything he's doing is just to train his son to get to this point, up to and including sacrificing his own life, right? To give his son enough motivation to say, hey, I'm going to finally take these." Because had, had his father still been alive, I, would, I don't know that Shang-Chi would have taken the rings had they been handed to him. You, you know, if he was like, I'm now yeah. going to go off and him. live the rest of yeah. my life here, take these rings, I don't know right. that he would, I don't know that Shang-Chi was taking him. He'd have been like, no, there, there was, was no like, purpose she, to it. was right, right. no purpose. I hadn't to it. thought about that. Yes. And so that, that his last act, that, that, that uh, Wu's last act is to say, this is the last thing you need to be ready. And I'm going to sacrifice my life for you. And then, the, and then you go, go on and become the great, you know, warrior or person or whatever, you know, great, whatever, enter your adjective there, right? Great, great, whatever that I, that I know that you can be. And so, so I, I guess that's, you know, I, I guess maybe I'm making somewhat of a case of where it's like, well, you know, that when he wasn't really evil, just maybe misunderstood.
3: Yeah. Well, and yeah, he's deluded. That's the thing. You know, uh, he's being manipulated through the film. So, um, and I think the film did a great job of leading us down both paths, that he could be evil or he could be deluded. And until we see his entire arc, I don't think we know. And then we have the ability to make the decision for ourselves. So I think that's one of the strong points of this film is that it it, it lets people be the complex people that they are. Yeah,
2: yeah, I agree. And taking with that, so taking, uh, pivoting from the complex to the Mm -hmm. more straightforward,
3: what were your thoughts about Katie? So I'm going to be totally biased about Katie because I love Aquafina. So <laughs> like she she can like she can do no wrong for me. I, that's not true. That's not true. I have seen a couple movies where I wasn't super happy with, but but ultimately, like she's such a likable person on screen. I'm always like excited to hear what she has to say and i think the character was a wonderful foil for the intensity and the the depth of the shang the shan and the shang chi Mm -hmm. character i think um it works perfectly i think she has her own little mini arc that goes in here and i think they you know they like they give us sort of like small plates some tapas ways of 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 understanding who katie is as as a person and how she can fit in and the fact that she's brought along for the adventure at the end like has me excited yeah. to, you know whether or not it, because i'm not familiar with the comic whether or not that's a real character from from the ip or or not um aquafina is the biggest star in this film t- today i mean that you could argue that michelle, Yeoh michelle is, Yeoh? you know is, is, <laughs> is legendary right but yeah. i mean like of today yeah. stars that are out there today yeah. like um Aquafina is the biggest name in this movie and for her to be included and to be brought along like I think Katie's going to be awesome I think Katie's going to be fun to go with but it sounds like you thought she was a little bit thin that she could they could have done more with Katie you think well I don't know that thin is the right term
2: I mean she she did the she did the comedic foil her, her arc as a whole she's maybe more consistently the, consistent throughout right so at least but definitely the first two thirds right so she's I think she is there uh, really for a couple purposes one that you do need a comedic foil Two, I think that she introduces things in the movie to reflect kind of, you know, nods to Asian culture, um, her family. I, I think that that scene of her family is very important, you know, in terms of just g- giving various nods to, to Asian culture um, and, and things that, you know, the, the, the different experiences of Asian culture generationally, like how the people that grew up in, in China you know, kind of how they think, how her parents think, you know, like, in you know, how she thinks growing up she was American. Her parents seem to be that they were the first generation to come over to America, but are still American. And they still have a little bit of ways where she's, you know, born in America, fully American, thinks more American than, you know, her Chinese grandmother. And then, you know, even the, even like little nods, like the scene where her grandmother pulls Shang-Chi aside, Sha on and is like, hey. When are you guys want to get married, right? I'm like, well, that's yeah, <laughs> that's how it's how grandmother would act. I like, hey, what's going on exactly. here? Exactly, right? You know, right. then and all totally that makes sense. And so, so I think that she's important for that in a lot of ways, and also to kind of bring us along through the journey, um, and, you know, and and, and you know, all of that is to say, I will preface back up and preface. I love Aquafina. Hilarious the things the things that she's bringing bring to the table, but okay. So I just want to make sure I'm casting out with that. But throw it out there, yeah, throw that out there. Yeah, she she's awesome, but but that you know and that. So her arc really kind of says that she's the, kind of like the character who's in in wonderment and amazement of everything that you're seeing to this point. Bring some reality to things, you know, like, you know, saying, OK, well, hey, I know you don't want to talk about your past, but he just, you know, had a sword come out of his hand and chopped the bus in half. Maybe we should have a conversation. Right.
3: We got to go into this. Yeah, we got to
2: yeah. go into this. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and things you know, that, that you know, and, and a way for the uh, have a character react on screen with like like the audience, which is, hey, this stuff isn't normal. So. Maybe we should address this, right? But I think her arc really kind of improves. You know, at Talo is when her arc really starts to then have a change, where she then starts to really kind of come kind of grips with, okay, I've just been since the blip wandering, you know, wandering about doing nothing because I feel that nothing matters. So why bother? And that I've now, through this, you know, really through the simple act of archery. Field that I've then found, you, you know, because <laughs> if you think about it, that's really all it is. She's just right. it's like I'm going to use archery and maybe focus a little bit of time and energy in this, and it's a little bit of time because I think that training sequence is a day, right? You know, yeah. but in that time to say, hey, maybe if I focus on a thing, it doesn't matter what that thing is, that it'll help me focus the rest of things in my life.
3: And I think I think they do a great job because they set it up, they set it up that she's scattered before we get to that, and then they also they also reiterate how ridiculous it is that she learns that she does it in a day right i mean they play they make fun of themselves in the convention of what happens in the story but it's important for the story and it doesn't bother me because they address it they don't expect us to believe that she could do it she thinks it's crazy too but she did it like that's the thing they they set the table well and they provided us a wonderful meal and i'm really happy with everything that her character did in the story too
2: yeah, I I agree and I, I'm cute. I, I do look forward to what they decide to do with that character in the future. Does she grow more or do they try to keep her in that same lane where she's still just the kind of in the wonderment or is she going to grow more and then kind of start to embrace more of this role as, as being drafted at the at the end, right? Because when you know, when uh Wong at the end when he comes and grabs, you know, grabs Song Jin and says, "Hey, you have, you have the rings. Come with me." And he goes, "And you too." That implies that she's then going to be brought through this journey as well. And so she will have the opportunity to either grow into this character or she will just be continually, you know, standing in amazement.
3: Exactly. Very excited about that.
2: You know, the one character that I had the hardest time wrapping my mind around what I thought about her overall arc was the sister. So it was um uh uh Xia uh, Ling, right? And. And so that's kind of one of the things that I was even looking on you know stuff online or stuff like that trying to see what people thought of her art right because I really wasn't sure if I liked her or not at the end right mm. you know, and so I was kind of curious what your you know, like how did that character come across to you? Was she a an you know, cause you kinda have the option of like, was she an abused child that overcame overcame her abuse to then, you know, grow to grow to be um you, you know, grow up to make something of herself? Was she uh someone who's needed an opportunity to be great and eventually would be? Was she just uh early on planted the season, just all around? She's she's or is she the real villain? Right? Is she the real, you know, Head of the Ten Rings is going to turn it into a real terrorist organization, or you know something like that. Like, how do you? About her.
3: what marvel's doing in this is consistent with what it's doing in all of its properties right now so i liked her i like what they did with the character in its i find i find the character very shallow but i like what they're doing to set us up with her and they're doing the same thing with a number of different characters and different properties that we saw if you watched falcon and winter soldier you see a similar type of setup with um the taskmaster is that what it was no the uh, not Black the Taskmasters from Black Widow. So what uh, the idea that um that uh that there's this crime boss that's in a different city. And I'm forgetting what the name of it was at this point, but um, that is potentially a good character and potentially a bad character. You also get that with uh, Baron Zemo, that Baron Zemo helps them through that story, but he also has this sort of grand plan to eliminate heroes uh, uh, in the world. And now they're setting up all of these people that are the head of these organizations that have connections to good, but also have connections to bad. And the reason why they're doing that from a story perspective is that you can use them in any way. So you have this sister that we end up disliking at different points and then rooting for at other points and all this stuff. And what she does at the end is embraces the head of this crime organization. So how do we expect her to show up in the future? Marvel is going to have it so they can have it any way they want to. And they can write it as that complex story of both uh, protagonist and antagonist in any way they want to do it. And I think they're doing that with a lot of the properties that we see here.
2: Yeah, I guess I just can see that. I I I left uh, the movie with my impression with her as that they're the setting power her up broker. for power broker. The, power, is the Oh, name the, yes, of the from, yes, the power broker from, is the one from the, from from Ke- the Kev- Falcon
3: Winter Soldier. Right, but
2: yes. I, I honestly thought they were setting up for that show or some other show, like, you know, like maybe season, maybe the power broker season three and season two was her. Like, they, they, it, it, it seemed to be possible. like, yeah. right. But it seemed yep. like, uh, I was like, Oh, they are setting up a good television bad guy. This is a good season a series that, you know, whatever it is to kind of, you know, stop her. Right. You know, and, and do that. But, but I just felt that like, you know, and it's, so that's why I think they're doing for the character in the future, which I, which I am excited about. But then in the movie, it seems to be that, well, did she change, or was she just always this way? Right, because there's a, there's a when they when they first when they first come across her, she's upset with her brother. Gets you know, she's upset with her brother. They get in the fight, seeing everything in the ring, and then there when when she realizes immediately they've been set up by the postcard, she's she's out. Right, she's gonna she's right. gonna out and escape. And then she decides somewhere online, I think she decides she doesn't want Katie to die, right? I think she was fine with her brother. I think she knew her brother would be fine. Then she didn't want Katie to die. So then she kind of comes and helps out and does that a bit. But then throughout that rest of the arc, is she trying to turn to be a different or better person? Or is she smelling, hey,
3: I have an opportunity here to grab more power? I think it's both. That's the reason of the complexity. And the other thing is, if he's 24, she's like 21. Yeah, she's 20- young. 20 or 21, like, these are very young characters to be finding themselves, (laughs) right, this idea. So I think it's both in that... Um, I don't think she knows yet. I don't think she knows in the same way that I didn't know if Xiang Qi would have uh, is going to be someone that's going to be a hero if he isn't motivated by his friends and family. I think the same thing. We don't know if she just wants power. That she's part of. She's her father's daughter too, or if she actually is going to be an altruist going forward. She know we all we know now is that she is in control of a very powerful army out of China in a compound that looks. Pretty cool with all of the art that she put around it. So.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, it does. And also she's segmented out her as her assassins. I think they have different levels. You know, yeah. So yeah. The, because I think the inner circle, which was all female, I think that's intentional. Yep. I think she's like, no, no these are I the ones too. that are gonna protect me. And exactly. you guys, you you guys on the end, you're the ones that are gonna go first. You're the fodder.
3: You're the pawns. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
2: exactly. You're the pawns, and these are the ones that are gonna really uh come out. So then uh, was there anything else uh, about the movie, the performance-wise, set piece-wise, or anything else that really stood out to you? That-
3: the big thing for me was uh, was the camera, um, and that the, was the biggest thing that I didn't really expect coming in. I didn't. I, I don't. I mean, there are some great fight scenes in Marvel movies. I think. I mean, Black Panther has some great fight scenes. I think the End Game fight scenes towards the end are really amazing. But nothing was like this. Uh, and and really, the way that the camera is used. And this is Bill Pope, who's you know the, the, the director of photography for The Matrix, and and they they really pulled in a great cinematographer for this movie. But one of the things that I've always loved since comic books have been started since they've been started making comic books into movies is when they do a good job of creating frames that you would have seen in comic books and i think back to the the original x-men movies x-men the the original x-men and x2 x united uh where you see singer actually creating frames that you've seen in comic books before and it was so wonderful but they were static they were these they were these homage images in the past for those comic books what they did with this movie with shang chi is that they had those same frame thoughts those same creative frame ideas but then bill pope really brought them to life and the 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 fight scene that made me realize that i was loving all the fight scenes Mm. everything they're great But the one in particular that really stood out to me is when the dad and the mom are fighting in the forest and they're taking these long, sweeping, moving shots and kind of wrapping the camera around and giving us the sort of uh, calm view of their faces. And it's the kind of thing where everything is so well lit. Everything is so well shot. Mm -hmm. Every fight scene in here was exciting in the way that it, it made me want to show my kids Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, because I was like, this is a good kind of action movie and i think it it, it surprised me so much and i was so happy and then of course when i came home and looked up that it was bill pope it makes so much sense it's he's such an innovative camera uh director of photography that i am so happy that he is is taking this turn with with marvel and i think it only means good things i think it's it's really exciting to see that and i'm and i'm so happy with with all the different shots and all the different ways they use the camera in this movie
2: for me one of the things with the fight scenes that i noticed also was that um uh actually taking from the going from the end of what you said at the beginning the sweeping scenes when the win mm-hmm. and and lee were fighting um that it did very much remind me of like you know uh there's Crash and Tiger hidden dragon reminding me of hero uh or house yeah. of flying daggers if you've seen those like you know sure. that that yeah. sweeping where it's it's it, it is it is a beauty that overshadows the violence of what is potentially happening right yeah i mean yeah you know and and that and being able to then visually display it in that manner and then also i think that the thing that that i thought was unique amongst the marvel part was that they you know they brought in you know one of jackie chan's stunt coordinators and there was a lot of those fight scenes it looked like you know like it it reminded me of jackie Chan, right where it looked like hey this is what it would really look like if you're really fighting these people because you know Jackie Chan's really doing those stunts and he's really doing it and so and I think he's I also and, yes and, yeah. and Simu Liu is really doing a lot of these stunts and a lot of these action fight, fight sequences and so how it looked, you know that made it look it added a level of realism uh, to, to the to the fantasy right that it's it's still, it's still fantastic you know and that you know you know you're not gonna regularly take on like you know 30 guys on a skyscraper on the side you know with you know with with with, with electric well, what light, a set light, piece. The tasers you know
3: on <laughs> like, a bamboo on, a bamboo scaffolding scaffolding. on the yeah. side of a building yeah, exactly. i mean what a set piece it yes, was amazing yes, yeah. and and Simu Liu i mean he's a star yeah i I, I i recognize him but i didn't get it and Wow, his personality, everything that was here. I I want to see so much more of him now. I'm super excited and so glad that he's part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is really exciting to have an actor like this be introduced and a character like this be introduced with that actor as well.
2: I, I, agree, I agree with everything you're saying there. Thanks. <laughs> so
3: uh, I guess wrapping up this movie, I
2: guess uh, given the, uh, you know, I guess the one thing I think about is when I uh, talk about uh, what I think of movies as a whole. Right. You know, there's the, we can, uh, as far as what I think of movies and rating and deciding what movies are really, it's like, well, i like to think of them also in terms of, well, given the expectations that you set that you had before going in, right. How did this movie live up to, or not live up to that? Like how, how did it compare to what you thought it would be?
3: It was it 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 very much uh, outperformed the the expectations that I had. I mean, I had those sort of middling things, right? This this uh, a low expectation of what I was going to get from the story, and a high expectation of being introduced back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I I was happy with both. I, I was it, it overperformed in both those things. I think the story is exceptional here. I think the the execution of it is really powerful it's one of the better films one of the better marvel films on execution i think it, it it shows how much better marvel is at making movies than when they started and not that the first ones were bad by any means but this <laughs> is now but there was a complaint that every movie was the same and i think people are going to come to this thinking that it's just another origin story it's going to be the same but there's so much different about the way that this movie is executed that i think it it deserves watching and then in terms of how it's connecting back to the marvel cinematic universe you know there was we got got to see wong we got to reintroduce the fake mandarin which i think was a wonderful callback a super exciting callback um, that connects it to iron man 3 i mean there's all these different aspects of it that make it uh connected the connecting tissue to the marvel cinematic universe and now with the lead up to what's happening in november with the eternals i think these rings have something to do with that i think when they are examining the rings and saying that they're more than a thousand years old, there's something about these rings that make them actually more powerful than what we, than what we witnessed in just this film. So it, uh, it outperformed on both of my expectations for it, in the, the low expectations that I had and the high expectations. So I was very happy with it. I found that,
2: um, A, I feel now remiss that, yes, we did not mention the uh, wonderful performances for Ben Kingsley and his right. uh, co-star Morris, the uh, Chicken Pig. Um and yeah, <laughs> which uh, my, wings. yeah uh, yes yeah, exactly with my with which my son immediately wanted to have as a pet and and, yes. I, and I was like well we can't find that in stores
3: faceless pig with no wings no, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah. with yeah. wings, wings. Yeah, yeah yeah
2: so but yeah so and then it was great with that with the connective tissue there I found that going into it my expectations were already really high I thought that the uh the you know I did. The trailers were amazing. Um, I expected that the story would be well done. I I have a high bar for Marvel now, right? And so I I find th- th- it's an interesting uh, dichotomy that I find with Marvel movies now. In that they are all very well done, and I expect them to be very well done. So if they are like this movie, very very well done, um, and, you know. And really, I think you know for the for the most part, there's, there's one. Quibble, I think you can have with the end, with the way the climax works, you know, the the dragon fight and the, the the dragon fight scene. There's, you know, I, I could see a quibble there, which even even I was kind of like, mm, I don't know about this one. Uh, you know, it's a, I felt like I was, I was honestly channeling Tommy. Like, I go about fake things fighting fake things. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah, you know, there was there was some of that. But that aside, I I expected it to be really great, and it was really great, right? And so then it becomes a thing of where. All right. Do I? Does that mean that it's you know like does you know because it's it's always fun to see a movie and be like oh this exceeded my expectations. But for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, my expectations now are high. They they've done they've put they've put out too much good product for me to think that oh well this next movie may not be as good. It's like no you have you know over twenty movies of good. So right. that's all I'm expecting now right. And so I think that they uh they, you know they they've been able to they are able to slowly incrementally raise the bar. I think that. You know, part of the bar raising for this is I, I definitely understood the importance and meaning of Black Panther and seeing a black superhero on screen look, you know, superhero on screen looks like me. I I fully understood and got that and the, the emotional impact of that. And and I I was curious and I actually asked some people like well so is Shang Chi like your Black Panther like you know for my some of my Asian friends like you know my Chinese friends was that is is that this is it the same you know and so and and it, and it, and, it, and the, I'm finding a lot of ways that it is right and so I think that they've raised the bar not only with that level of inclusivity but also creating a it needs to be a good story it's not enough to just have a superhero of color it's like nope this still needs to be a good story and I think that the movie was in fact. Was great. It lived up to not only being a good movie, but also added these extra layers of inclusion and allowing you to go different directions uh, with not only the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but even some other minor characters right, to, to allow them to expand. So.
3: I totally agree. Yeah, I think it was it was wonderful, and uh, I because I didn't know the character before, I didn't understand why it was necessary or how it was necessary to the whole marvel story but it definitely fits in and it fits in in a perfect way and i'm really happy they made it because of that
2: absolutely so taking all that praise how does that translate to you in terms of uh, if people are saying well that's all well and good uh, Ocean and jj uh how many stars do you give it right so like you know in that in that vein with uh, with the if you're on letterboxd would, how did how did this how did this movie come out for you
3: so I I gave it four out of five stars which for me is is is, is very high I, I really enjoyed the movie and I gave it a heart so with a like when I rank all of my Marvel movies this is like in my top five. Oh wow. Um top five. yeah, so the top 5. Wow. So this is it's it's a big deal in that. My first one um would be probably the Guardians movies are my favorite. So oh, really? those are my top 2 yeah. and then probably Endgame and Black Panther and then this movie. Oh, so the, I, I think that's like my top 5. And and all the other stuff, I mean they're they're great movies too, but this movie is so uh, is special in terms of execution for mm-hmm. me that mm-hmm. I it, I think it belongs up there.
2: Oh, nice, nice. I rated the same.
3: You know, I gave it four stars and a heart. I think that the,
2: the the ending, if you're being objective, that that ending with the dragons fighting thing, that that was kind of. Yeah you know that, that that part that part i wasn't a big fan of but the rest of it as far as but i
3: think so interestingly about that even though it's fake things they fighting fake things i think the dragons fighting each other looked more realistic in this than the cgi black panther and killmonger fighting each other at the end of uh, at the end of black panther that looked more fake than this did which i think is an interesting contrast when you think of it that way it, and, yeah. and interesting that both of them ended up with these sort of cgi fights at the end where they were both so rooted in great story and realism leading up to it but yeah so i I didn't have so much problem with the the dragons, but I can understand why you would.
2: Yeah, no. And, 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 you know, now that you, now that you said that I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. It did. You could, you could see the CGI in the, in the black Panther Killmonger scene at the end of it.
3: Right. So it was was noticeable. Yeah. Yeah, It
2: was very noticeable. So, but you know, but then again, I, part of that could be because of the context. Like you, you know, what real people look like, but dragons, dragons could be CGI. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, when I see CGI, like when I see
3: my dragons out the window, right, exactly. they look CGI to me too. Right, exactly. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> since I didn't grow, up, you know, grow up with dragons around, I can't compare it to anything. So yeah, but as far as that, I thought it was a great movie. It was very entertaining, fast paced. I was, I was not bored at any point. I love the different themes of what they were communicating as far as the family dynamics and the characters and the fact that that it is not only an origin story, but also set up for other things. I I have to give it some thought as far as my top five with uh, uh, MCU movies. I mean, easily I can say top 10, but, you know, for me. Yeah, you know, and honestly, for me, like the number one is Infinity War. I just to me, nice. the, the Infinity War is, is better than than everything. Like, I so I, you're, I love you're an Empire
3: Strikes Back fan then too. I, you I, like that sort of middle unsettled thing. So, you, like, strangely enough, I'm a Return of the Jedi. Like, I like the the wrap up at the end. So, I I get, I get what you say.
2: No, I'm 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 for, I'm further afield than that. I don't think that oh. Infinity War is unsettled. I think Infinity War is settled. I I view wow. Thanos to me as the hero of that movie. He oh, wow. he he went through. And made ultimate sacrifices. He had a plan and a goal and a vision and went through it all uh, made the ultimate sacrifices to get to and achieve his goal. Right. Are you and watching? So, what if I, I am watching? What if? Yes. And so I, did
3: you see the what, what if the, where it, with what if uh, T'Challa was actually Star-Lord yes, and and, yeah, yeah. and Thanos becomes one of yes, the good guys yes, and he yes, keeps yes, talking and everybody yes. keeps calling like, yeah, that thing about genocide. and He's like, yeah, but it, it was efficient.
2: It is, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Which is funny. I found I hated that part, though, because I was like, nope, Thanos does. Thanos, Thanos needs to be, like, in the MCU, Thanos needs to be the way he is. In mean, the comics, he's a bit different. But in the MCU, yeah, yeah. right, I, I'm like, no, they built the Thanos that I, that I absolutely love. So that, for me, is number All one. Right. And then after that, it's uh, uh, Winter Soldier and Civil War. Those two Captain America movies are just so sure. great to me, especially in that they are, especially Winter Soldier. Because Winter Soldier is one of those movies where, like, I, I use that as the gateway. For anyone that doesn't like MCU, I'm like, here's your gateway drug. Right, to get to MCU because that movie, the fact that they're superheroes isn't relevant. It is a nice, taut, right. espionage, thriller movie. Right. Every now and again, Captain America will do a couple of things where you're like, a normal person can not do this, and Bucky does a couple of things where a normal person can't do this. But other than that, it's a straight ahead, great story. And and I think and and to me, that was the first time in the MCU when they really did that, where it was a story first, and it was just like, Well, we're just gonna throw the superheroes in it, right? Not just I have superheroes. They can do some things and I'm going to make a story with those things in mind, right? And, and so, so Winter Soldier to me was definitely the leap where they really pivoted to where they could figure out other things they could do with the MCU. You know, this movie was uh, great. I give it four stars with a heart loved it uh recommended look forward to seeing it i'm sure i will see it at least a couple two or three more times uh look forward nice. to watching it more and
3: uh go to the drive-in oh wait no it's not gonna be there next week <laughs> but anyway okay. yeah, yeah, yeah you, should no, do drive-in. Yes, you do, uh, well, yeah no
2: that that is definitely one of the ways i would like to see this is, is in a drive awesome but yeah 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 well um thank you uh so much for uh joining me uh, today to talk
3: about shang chi and the legend of ten uh, ten rings Anything else you have left to say before we sign off? Well, we mentioned that uh, I'm with the trailer rewind uh, podcast. That's with me and Steve Sarmento. We do it weekly. So it shows up in your feed. If, if you're subscribed to it as an individual show, what the idea about trailer rewind is, is kind of like that old school thing. When we used to go to video stores and you were like, what, 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 what should I pick up? What should I watch? Steve and I are kind of acting like the guys that work at the video store that you ask what are recommendations for. And it's all about films that are available on streaming services for you today. So check out trailer. Rewind If you want that, if you want to find me on, uh, on the Instagram on the internet I am on Instagram at fighting 17s fighting 17s and that's a throwback to my first favorite movie ever ever, which is Backdraft um, the fighting 17th (laughs) fire regiment from Chicago so anyway that's how you can find me there Uh, and and check out Trailer Rewind if you can it's a great movie (laughs) great movie poor Axe
2: love it so yeah yeah
3: you yeah, go. You go we go. We yeah, go. Go. yeah
2: I, you know what? I say that a lot. <laughs> in <laughs> life in general. That is that those are those are great That's That's great team building right there. You go we go. Hello, yeah, right. yeah, That draft was awesome. Um all right. Well, uh so uh, don't forget to join our online community with fellow movie lovers. Uh, and uh, please go to the slash discord to learn more. And again, if you're not already a member, please consider supporting the show to learn more about that. Go to the slash membership and, and please don't forget to do the stuff that we would, uh, you're supposed to do with podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, and of course, listen. To them. Uh, but perhaps uh, most importantly, share. Uh, please let any of those movie lovers in your life know about the show. Uh, the best way we have to get more people listening to the show is you. Uh, thank you very much. members. watch out for our bonus episodes just for you later this month. Coming up next month on the film board is the movie Doom.
0: My planet Arrakis is so beautiful when the sun is low. Rolling over the sands, you can see spice in the air. The outsiders ravage our lands in front of our eyes. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. What's to become of our world?
1: A (laughs) boy! Hey,
3: Duncan, can I trust you with something?
1: Yes, always, you know that.
3: I've been having dreams. About a girl on Arrakis. I don't know what it means.
1: Dreams make good stories. But everything important happens when we're awake. Hey, you, put on some muscle? I did? No. We are House Atreides. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. Smile, Gurney. I am smiling. The Emperor asks us to bring peace to Arrakis. House Atreides
2: accepts. I know you. There's only a wafing in my mind. You need to face your fears. I'm with me thank you everybody for uh, listening enjoy the rest of your weekend
0: supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man,
1: and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune.
0: And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David non nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic.
1: It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories.
0: And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu.
1: That's right. TheNextReel.com slash Originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows.
0: So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash Originals and get your next read today.